200 Buttons for Richard Chopping and Dennis Worth Miller, Queer British Art at Tate Britain. Local legend has it that every time a soldier pays a visit, they collect from him a button stored in an old Christmas biscuit tin. Bohemia around here is like a fat man with eyebrows, like furry caterpillars and an oily voice, so Richard said on the phone to Francis Bacon. Dennis was a cute little button. He'd spend his days painting boys down at the cruising ground. They invited me to their house in Cornwall, and I spent summer writing poems in the harbour and undoing many buttons. Hello, and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis, and my guest on this episode is Cambridge-based poet Michael Brown. His poems are concise, yet convey vivid, intricate images. We discussed the art of ekphrastic poetry, and how his poems are inspired by pictures and other works of art. He has responded to works by Francis Bacon, and read at an exhibition of his at Tate Britain. He began by discussing the inspiration of the poem we've just heard, 200 Buttons. The the, the biscuit tin with the buttons was actually the exhibit, so um, these are artists, and obviously Francis Bacon as well, but the exhibit in question was the Christmas biscuit tin with, well, perhaps more than 200 buttons in that prompted the poem. I see. What, what was the idea bit behind the buttons? So... Um, Dennis and Richard had obviously been cruising and every time they met a soldier or um, a lover down on the coast, the buttons were collected one from each person and the tin was very full. So it speaks volumes, I thought. (laughs) I see, a bit like Tracy Emin's bed. Yes, exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Francis Bacon is an artist who I've um, written about a lot. I performed a poem um, in tribute to the triptych at uh, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern in London. And someone who was uh, from the Tate Archive saw me perform and then invited me to access the archive, so I did. And then in my second collection, Mercurial, there's a number of poems, Love is the Devil, Triptych, Boxing with Bacon, in response to his work and his archive. It was very interesting to see the materials that inspired him, newspaper cuttings, magazine clippings, etc. And I performed at Tate Britain, uh, an, an exhibition of his interior design and furniture, which a lot of people don't know before he was a painter, that was something he was famous for. I see. So what initially drew you to his work? Um, I'd seen an exhibit in Norwich at the Sainsbury's Centre and just always been really drawn to his painting. Very visceral, very raw, kind of communicating something more than just what's there. So, yeah, I always found his work very powerful. So, And I think it's um, a good thing to, to seek art or galleries as a prompt for inspiration. Yes, so... How do you go about taking a picture and turning it into words? Yeah, so this is also sort of my prompt for listeners if they want to try, is to spend some time with the artwork first. So buy a postcard, get the coffee table book, or even in the gallery, uh, and then spend some time researching around it. So understanding what it's about, any connections to it. Some people like or dislike this. Some people prefer a distance from the work. I like to know kind of everything about it. Uh, When I first write, brainstorm about it, so kind of words or just simple writing to bring it to life, uh, and then gradually bring a poem together. I like to write lots about the piece and then edit, 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 cut it down so that there's next to nothing, just just the bare bones. Hopefully kind of uh, exposing the picture visually and kind of the raw, visceral 
um, evoked imagery through the poetry. Mm. I got the impression from the poem you read, you sort of bring yourself into it as well. Yes, I think so. I think, yeah, with 200 Buttons, I imagine myself kind of as part of it. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, definitely. And George Dyer, who Francis Bacon was, well, his partner that he wrote about, uh, sorry, he, he painted a lot. I kind of connected with him as a character. So, yeah, I think you kind of, you know, in the whole gallery, you choose perhaps where you see your own reflections or your own connections, definitely. You say you've uh, written a lot of poems like this. Uh, Could we hear another one? Uh, Yeah, sure. Love is the devil. Like a bomb exploding in my head, exploding in reverse, ideas and images are forced back in a cruel pastiche of experience. We all have nightmares. They can't be as horrific as as real life. Other people interest me more than my own misery. Who's Arthur? Who's Martha in this concentration of camp? Soho perverts of the colony club drown alcohol like vultures to carry in. Opinions sting through dirty smoke. I buy a drink for a rent boy whose flesh retains the scars of an accident. When we get measured for our Savile Row suits, it's like being measured for our coffins. We are all trapped in our own private, personal prisons. It's very vivid. There are a lot of images there. Uh, What was the original painting of? It was actually a documentary on Francis Bacon that inspired that poem. And yeah, again, looking at many of his works, particularly the Bishop series, which was quite a powerful collection that that inspired that. Do you find that uh, with these poems you're interpreting the artist's message or are you putting your own interpretation on the image and writing about that? I think a bit of both. I like to kind of bring out what's there, maybe kind of draw out a bit more, but I'm definitely bringing in my own uh, perspective. And like you said, I do sometimes put myself in there and imagine if I was there watching this painting being done or if I knew this person, that's how I try and connect with it. Uh, Have you found in the course of writing about pictures it's changed your perception of them or have you seen more into them? Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel more connected to the work and definitely feel more more drawn to more of them. Um, and you've got a new collection coming out. Yes, Meet Me at the Harbour is published by Eyewear on the 19th of October and I'm launching it at Cambridge University Festival of Ideas. So this, my third collection, I wrote around the coast of Devon and Cornwall mainly. I stayed in a lot of lighthouses around the UK and, well, mainly finished the book in Cornwall. So there's a lot of coastal poetry, but also a lot of just everything that I've written in the last three years. So it's a kind of coastal theme with some extra verse as well. And my first collection with a major publisher as well, which is good. Great. So uh, was that the plan at the outset to write a collection of coastal poems? Yes. So my first, the exhibit collection was just this is everything that I've gathered that I'm happy with Mercurial was a very intense period where I did a lot of writing a lot of editing whereas Meet Me at the Harbour I've had a strong concept Uh, there are three sections low tide high tide and the storm so the first two sections are the coastal poems and the storm is kind of everything else so it drifts away there and you just kind of get my latest poems as well but I was pleased that I wear picked up the collection and I'm glad I'll be working with them. I'm actually now taking a break from poetry and working on my science fiction climate change novel called The Cage, which is about a group of humans who are the human exhibit in an alien zoo. 
and they're trying to escape. It's a climate change parable. Great. Wow, it's a very uh, prolific... <laughs> yeah, um, have you got one from the new collection? I do, yes. Again, I'm going to choose one that's got quite a strong story behind it. And this is Elephants on the Beach for my grandma Elsie. Our childhood summer spent on Bridlington Beach. My granddad carefully made tea on a gas stove, whilst every salad item possible emerged from multiple Tupperware. The circus would bring the elephants down to the sea to bathe. Elephants! My grandma would shout, and we would race down to the waves. Wow, is that, is that true? It's a true story. So in Yorkshire, where we used to go for our family holidays, uh, back then, animals were allowed at the circus, and they yeah. would literally bring the elephants down to the beach, and they would go right at the furthest end, because the circus was based at the far end. Mm-hmm. So we, we did make it down, and we're literally in the sea with elephants on a UK beach being sprayed by the elephants. You know, you heard the title of that, I thought it would be some kind of metaphor or something. It's, <laughs> it's very literal, literal experience I had, and uh, yeah, it's nice to bring that to life. Yeah, it's nice when sort of those memories surface and you can put them into poems. Well, it's uh, been great to uh, hear some poems. I hope everyone will be inspired to uh, try some ekphrastic poetry uh, something I've tried uh, a few times, and um, I'm going to try and write another one, um, having uh, had this discussion. And uh, I find it's, uh, pictures are a great starting place for poems. And I think as well as what's in the picture, it's interesting to think outside the frame, what's happening outside or what's happening just before and just after. Also, the connections that you make as a result of looking at pictures, that can be an interesting thing to explore as well. Yeah, it's like I said before, spend a lot of time with the work itself. Write simply to start with. And then I think it's good to have some background, but don't let it overcloud you. Don't let it over-influence you. Write a lot first and then edit back. Cut, cut down to what is the least you could say that'll have the most impact. And I guess there's two ways of looking at it. You could poetically try and recreate the piece so that I can visually imagine it from hearing you read or reading the poem or just bring your own interpretation or even bring it to life. Uh, I also thought to make it a bit more interactive, if you have a picture, a photo or something you've taken which you think would be a good picture for an ekphrastic poem, share it on Instagram, tag it uh, hashtag poetry nonstop. Then uh, if you're looking for some inspiration, you can see uh, what pictures people have posted and um, you might uh, get someone writing a poem about your picture. Yeah, have you got a poem to finish with? Yes, so I once famously took Sigourney Weaver punting on the River Cam. So we met at the Cambridge Union Society where I was working at the time and uh, we went out for dinner that evening to Jamie's Italian, uh, gave gave her a tour of Cambridge. She was free the next day, so we suggested taking her punting Mm -hmm. and I performed a number of my poems and she very kindly reviewed my audiobooks and is an outspoken fan of my work so excellent Uh, what was she doing in Cambridge she was doing a speech at the Cambridge Union Uh about her work um, for the environment and also promoting her film at the time which was a monster cause anyway this is Cambridge Pace mark your arrival bicycle bell student crime library fine strolling on the common punt stretch out like swans rowing rivers of opportunity 
education celebration, grade one listed buildings, sky high college ceiling of philosophy thinking, bridge of sighs, never lies. And there's a YouTube video, well, there's a few YouTube videos which actually Sigourney recorded, and that's on my YouTube channel. So if you go to poetbrownie.com, there's a link to those actual performances which I've kept up. Not many poets can say that they've been filmed by Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yeah, and I was very lucky. I work for the Cambridge Literary mm-hmm. Festival. She, I gave her one of our bags and she posed for publicity photos and she was quite happy to uh, share about my work and to review it. She actually mentioned it in The Guardian magazine. She was on the set of The Defenders, I believe, she did for Netflix and she said she was listening to my audiobook in her uh, trailer. So that was quite a nice uh, call to fame. And I think with that, yeah. I reached my poetry peak. She's always been a, one of my idols and someone I've admired. So to have them listen to your work, take it seriously and review it and uh, like it, no matter what happens, that's my yeah, biggest yeah. success in my poetry. So I'm most pleased. Yeah, well, I, I uh, hope she tunes into this. And yeah, well, thank you very much. And good luck with the new book. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, listeners. Uh, Yes, Meet Me at the Harbour's out on the 19th of October with Eyewear. That was Michael Brown, and to finish, here's a poem I wrote in response to Michael's exercise. This poem was inspired by Melancholy Three by Edvard Munch. It's a picture I have on a postcard above my writing desk. It's woodcutting which features a figure deep in thought superimposed over a very dark and bleak coastal scene. Much like Michael said, the poem went through a number of drafts, getting shorter and sharper each time. It's called As the Last Trace of Blue Fades from the Sea. I walk back to the white cottage as waves carve lines in the sand beneath charcoal skies. I will write by lamplight until dawn, sifting through the words I have carried in clenched fists from the shore. Thank you, Michael, for that prompt. You can find a link to the picture that inspired that on the blog at poetrynonstop.com, along with other information about today's show. Good luck with your own ekphrastic poems. I'd love to read them and share them. So please send them to poetrynonstop at gmail.com or share on social media using hashtag poetrynonstop. Also use that hashtag to share pictures to inspire each other. I'll be back with more poetry soon. Until then, thanks for listening and keep writing.